celebrating the small wins. Like I think that's so big in the in this space, especially like fitness weight loss. Um, being able to maybe we have maybe we haven't seen any scale wins, but we've seen you know you moving your body more than you ever have, you cooking for yourself more than you ever have, you you know trying a variety of different foods. Like all of that stuff has such a positive impact on your health. Um, and just because you know you haven't lost weight on the scale doesn't mean that you aren't successful. So I think identifying, you know, true, true wins that I wouldn't even call them small wins, but non-scale wins yeah. is a big one. Let's link up with Krista on the fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. Hello, Fix listeners. Welcome to episode 51 of the Fix podcast. You got that right. We are just one episode shy of an official one year straight of podcasting. More on that in next week's conversation. But up for this week's episode, I sat down with an amazing dietitian out of New York, Miss Tamar Samuels. Tamar is the co-founder of a really cool nutrition company called Kulina, alongside her co-founder, Vanessa. And I'd love to have both of them on the show sometime soon. We put a little plug for that in the recording and we would love to make that happen. Uh, but just a great conversation today. We covered everything from some of the business side of coaching and talking about technology and how to better service clients to actual nutrition topics. The challenges that so many of our clients face, we kind of swapped notes on some of the things that we tend to see, our coaching styles, talking about the differences between Tamar and Vanessa's styles and how they walk their clients through the challenges that they're dealing with. Tamar is also a new mom, so I asked her a bunch of questions about how that transition has been for her in her experience in not only running her own business, but taking on that huge role. And it was really cool to hear what she had to say with a very fresh perspective. And we talked about the importance of sleep too, and trying to get all the things done while giving yourself a little bit of grace. But I'd encourage everybody while you're listening to the episode, after you listen to it, whatever your usual style it is, jump into the show notes, head over to Tamara's Instagram page, check out Kalina's website, look at all of the cool services they have going on. She and I really delved into a lot around the mindset of food and people's relationships with food and talked a little bit about disordered eating as well. And I always love having the opportunity to just jam out with other nutritionists or nutrition coaches, dietitians, anybody in the space who clearly knows what they're talking about. She is certainly one of them. And I'm happy to just have this platform to be able to bring those types of people to you, the listeners, and their knowledge in general to the forefront. So we're going to roll right into the episode. Stay tuned for a special episode next week in honor of one year of all things podcasting, all things The Fix. It's so crazy when you podcast how quickly time seems to go by. 52 weeks, boom, the year's over. We're going to be right into 2022. The perfect time to start thinking about those goals is today. A little plug. But enjoy this one. As you guys know, share it. If you found any of the information valuable, the best thing you can do, even better than putting something up on your Instagram stories, is sending it right to a friend who might find any part of this conversation interesting. And with that, let's welcome Tamar Samuels to the Fix Podcast. Tamar. 
Tamar. Welcome to The Fix Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We're back in the groove of things on The Fix with more guest episodes. I've been flying solo for the last several weeks, and I'm just really excited to share your story and all of your knowledge as a dietitian with the rest of The Fix community and probably dive a little bit deeper into some more of the science around nutrition, and we can nerd out a little bit on this episode. Um, But before we do all of that, I want to know who you are, and more specifically, why should everybody care about what Tamara has to say? Hey, Krista. I'm super excited to be here. I love that you already talked about the science stuff, because I'm <laughs> a total junkie for the science. That's a yeah. part of who I am, so I'm excited to dive into that. Um, I'm a registered dietitian. I'm a health coach. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a mom. I'm a Brooklyn girl. That's love it. How I would describe myself. <laughs> nice. I love all of those things. And you're a new mom too. So we'll definitely get into talking about managing the business. And I also think there is a lot of my audience that is managing being a mom and trying to take care of their health. And I'm sure you can serious relate to that, relate to that on a personal level. So I think that'll be a fun, a little section for us to get into at some point throughout this chat. But before we dive a little bit deeper and we talk about your brand and Kalina and your business partner and everything, everything. Uh, my favorite signature fix question is to ask people what kind of coffee they like to sip on. So tell us if you are a coffee drinker, what's a part of your morning routine? Uh, you know, I used to be a coffee drinker, but okay. it gave me severe anxiety. Oh, uh, yikes. So I have- That's a reason to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like in total denial about it. I just don't the coffee. <laughs> but then you went through the experiment of cutting it out and what happened? You were better. <laughs> yeah. Like no more heart palpitations. <laughs> so um, I'm a matcha drinker. I nice. My, I actually make matcha at home with some oat milk. Oh, uh, cool. Unsweetened. It's my... It's my go-to drink. Sometimes I have two. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> that's, that's my fix. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, yum. I have to say, I've had like a couple other people mention matcha, and it's the one thing I have yet to try. I am like such a coffee person that it's hard to even pull me away from it. And I've had to go through the phase of like, hey, you need to slow down a little bit with your caffeine consumption here. Um, so I'm working on it. And I found a few good substitutes. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Organo, but they make this really cool like mushroom. It's it's really cool. It's a little tiny, tiny bit, like very small amount of um, instant coffee. And it comes in like a little packet but it's mixed with several mushroom adaptogens. So it's really supposed to be like a replacement to coffee, but because it has a little bit of instant, it actually tastes the same and it tastes really good. And you just mix it with hot water. And I'm, I love it because I've tried some of the softy, the, the like substitutes for coffee before and they don't, they don't do it for me. I'm just like, this like tastes like dirt. <laughs> it's uh, I know. It's so hard <laughs> to find a substitute. I feel like they don't exist, but I'll definitely check this one out. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it'll give me some heart palpitations. Yeah. So. I'll send, <laughs> I'll send you some, I'll send I you some. That. I have some extra packets, so <laughs> we'll, we'll take that one offline, but cool. Well, awesome. Well, let's talk about Kalina. Let's talk about your, you know, how did you take it all the way back and to kick it off, you know, what made you realize that you wanted to go into dietetics and and pursue that route and that path for your career? Uh, Yeah. You know, I actually didn't know being a dietitian or or nutritionist was even a career. I just wasn't exposed to it. I'm actually from Woodstock, New York. So cool. Small town, total hippie vibe. 
people weren't talking about dietitians back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I ended up, I wanted to be a therapist. I ended up teaching, um, I don't know, school program sort of like fell into um, the nutrition piece because I've always struggled um, on my own with mm-hmm. a lot of like IBS and GI issues and have kind of like tried to heal myself in the process of heal myself with food in the process sure. of kind of managing my symptoms. Um, and then uh, while I was teaching, I met a dietitian. And I was like, whoa, this is a career. I could do this. So um, I immediately uh, changed careers. I got my master's at NYU. I did my dietetic internship at, at NYU and Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, and I never looked back. It's been a wild ride, but it's, it's been super fun. That's amazing. And, you know, I think testament to going through some personal experience and trying to figure out what you can change and what you can fix and how you can manage that through your food choices is how a lot of us wind up in this industry for sure. Um, but I do want to stay with the experience when it comes to GI issues and gut health. Um, I'm sure you can relate to this from your personal experience and probably from working with a lot of your clients, but I do have a number of clients myself and I have listeners out there I think, unfortunately, women especially, or maybe they're the ones being vocal about it at least, um, this is becoming a really hot topic. It's like, it seems to be, I hate to say it's the trend, but it kind of is. Like the number of people who I currently work with who are going through pretty serious protocol dealing with what's not normal in terms of their digestive tract and they don't know it until they talk to someone about it and they recognize, hey, wait, like shouldn't be going to the bathroom this frequently or something's not right with me processing my food or whatever it is. Even some of like the mind gut health connection, maybe with mental health challenges. Um, What was that like for you, especially in mentioning that, you know, you grew up in a town where nobody was talking about nutrition necessarily, but what kind of happened early on in your life when you realized, Hey, like something isn't right here for me. And and how did that kind of manifest? and, And how did you kind of take control of that for yourself that made you realize like, okay, I need to change something here. Like this isn't normal. Yeah, I mean, I think gut issues are just so debilitating for the listeners yeah. out there. Who have That's them. like the perfect word for it. They it are. It really is. It's something you can't even ignore, you know, it affects quality of life every single day. And the literature really does support that in terms mm-hmm. of the IBS research and gut, gut health. It's it's, it's this vicious, vicious cycle where you are like stressed about your gut. but then And the stress stress actually makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such a hot mess. But, um, you know, it was one of those things that I absolutely couldn't ignore because it impacted my quality of life so much. I mean, every time I ate, uh, I had recurrent SIBO for like Mm -hmm. several years. SIBO um, is an acronym for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And a lot of the new research is saying that it's it's one of the more um, common causes of irritable bowel syndrome for IBS. Um, and it's really difficult to treat. And there's a lot that we don't know about it. Um, so much. I, I feel like it's like playing detective every time I work with a client who I even suspect could have it. Right. And it's just like really digging into some of their lab work and assessing if that's what's going on before they even go through testing and stuff. Yeah. It's so important to have like a good GI um, as an ally in healthcare for mm-hmm. anyone who has um, GI issues because the testing is really important. You know, we want to make sure we're ruling out like any autoimmune disease. Yeah. Um, IBS is sort of like a diagnosis of exclusion. You get diagnosed. <laughs> That's with a really IBS. good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like that. It's like it's like okay, we test you for celiac, we test you for Crohn's, we test you for colitis. 
um, you know, all of these kind of major diagnosable diseases. And then, you know, we're like, okay, well, we don't really know what's going on. So we're just going to call it IBS. Yeah. And I find that a lot of my clients, they feel frustrated by that answer, right? Because it's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do next here? Besides like start playing around with changing different foods and figuring out like what doesn't work for me. Exactly. Yeah. And so like getting to the root cause of, of what's causing the IBS is so key for people. And I think I don't recommend doing it on your own because it can be exhausting and obviously you're not an expert, even though you're an expert on yourself, you're not an expert on nutrition, on health. You don't know how the human body works. You don't know how the gut works. And I think doing that detective work on your own can be frustrating and exhausting and overwhelming Mm -hmm. um, and super stressful. So, um, you know, I I certainly (laughs) did everything. I literally got like motility tests. I um, did pelvic floor therapy, which was like very invasive. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it is. That is no joke. Yeah. No joke. No joke. I did chiropractor work. I did naturopathic work. I went like the conventional route. I went the non-conventional route. Mm -hmm. I did all of the things. Um, Some of them worked. Some of them didn't work. But I think eventually for me, I realized that um, the stress component was like such a big piece of the puzzle um, you know, I definitely still rely on some, some supplements that like really help to support me, but mm-hmm. managing stress, um, just like really helps with the day-to-day symptoms for me. And I'm really got, glad you're highlighting that because a conversation that I have repeatedly with people who are facing a lot of gut health challenges is I constantly like define the word stress to them because I think sometimes when people think about it, they always think about it in the context of the phrase of like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. And what they forget is that even trying to cut their calories and going through a fat loss phase, that's a form of stress. Mm-hmm. Working out, period. It doesn't have to be a lot, but a lot, any kind of, it's yes, it's technically a good stress, but it's still a stress. And being conscientious about the type of exercise you are doing and how your gut reacts to that and just kind of listening to that, I think sometimes in in being frustrated and trying different things and you even mentioned yourself like some things work for you both the conventional and more of like the homeopathic type of medicine it not there's no one magic pill that's going to be the answer to fix it and it really does take not only trying to listen to your body but then take it the step further to talk to somebody who is a professional and have that person in your corner and I feel like so many of, I, I personally think just from seeing it repeatedly and trying to figure out like, what are the common factors among the women that are coming to me and dealing with this? Like anytime I post on Instagram, a client whose transformation is really a difference in photos from left to right because their bloat went from a million to zero, I get ridiculous engagement. And I hate that because that means that there's a lot of people out there like they're messaging me and saying, hey, I have these same symptoms and I just don't know what to do about it. Happy that they found somebody that they can come and talk to, of course, but also frustrating as to asking the question of like, if all these people are walking around with this, like what are some of the common causes and stress is such a big one. And it really is. And I think we just discount it. It's so hard for women too, because I feel like that word stress is like utilized by healthcare professionals. Like, oh, you're, yeah, you have symptoms, but you know, you're just like stressed Like it's dismissive. Yeah. Like you're stressed, you're crazy. Just like deal with the stress. And so, you know, for me, like I got that a lot and I was Mm kind of like, screw you. (laughs) You're like totally dismissing me. Like I seriously affect my quality of life. And I just didn't 
deal with it because of resenting like people for not like listening to me and I think that's such a problem with healthcare professionals they just like don't listen but um we can dive into that later yeah Um, we could make the whole chat about that right yeah (laughs) um but yeah I mean so I like because of that I like you know you're writing me off because I'm a woman you're calling me stressed right Mm -hmm. um but the reality was not that they were right, but the reality was like, I did really need to manage my stress to help sure. support my gut because there is an intimate connection between, between the brain and the gut. And, um, you know, there are, there's a ton of literature to support the fact that people who have IBS um, are more likely to be depressed and anxious. We don't know what came first, like the chicken or the chicken egg, egg, right? Anxiety mm-hmm. and depression also can trigger IBS symptoms too. So, um, we know that they're connected. Um, you know, there's actually more serotonin produced in our gut than in our brain. Um, so there's, yeah, there's... That, that's like fascinating. I think that that fact alone, if, if more people knew that, and I'm happy that you just shared that with us is it's so interesting. I don't know if you ever listened to him. His podcast is like one of my favorites because I think he's such a effective and clear communicator. Um, Andrew Huberman, his work is like, I just love it because he can break down a very complex topic and he has a very pleasant voice, which of course helps too. But um, he recently did an episode where he brought that. I learned that from listening to something that he was talking about. I forget. I think he was talking about like dopamine and and serotonin in particular, but, and, and Dr. Caroline Leaf does a lot of work around this too. So there's some pretty big names out there who are bringing a lot of this information to the masses, which is amazing. But I think that everyone's so focused on uh, everything around diet culture is so focused on like, I want to lose weight. I want to lose body fat. I want to do this. I want to look this way that sometimes we get so caught up in that outcome that we're very quick to want to work with the type of professional who's helping you figure that out. And then we skip over a lot of the steps that if we're like, wait a second, why don't we address the bloat and work on that first and see how much better off your quality of life will be. And then maybe we can have a different conversation or maybe that's really the source of all of the things that you're unhappy with in terms of how you feel and how you look too. Totally. I think it's so important to just get to the root cause. And the best way to do that is through personalization. You know, you mentioned diet culture. And I think the biggest problem with diet culture is that it's not personalized, right? Yeah. Like, there's just, so you true. know, there, there's no one size fits all. Like, there, I believe that there is space for certain diets for certain people, um, depending on the diet. Like in the dietetics field, we have um, therapeutic diets um, that are, you know, protocols that we prescribe people mm-hmm. for medical nutrition therapy, right? Sure. Um, and while, like, the FODMAP diet is a perfect example while we're yes. talking about IVF, yep. right? Um, that, is, that is a diet, right? And while it's not one that I recommend often um, because it is so restrictive. It's so and- hard. I, like, I it's such for anybody listening who doesn't know about it I've talked about it before but the people that I work with who use it we talk every day because they we they just need it like mentally and I always have to like it's this encouragement of like this is not forever like let's try this for eight weeks and see what happens and if it works then hopefully it does but if it's not working we're not going to keep you on this because it's just no way to live like it's really really hard it's like so hard to have a social life honestly it's so tough i mean it's evidence-based right like there's a lot of literature mm-hmm. that 
corset. Yeah. Um, a lot of physicians get behind it. A lot of dietitians obviously get behind it and it does yield results. Mm -hmm. Um, but don't do it on your own because yeah. it don't go crazy. I mean, it's so, so tough and certainly like can trigger disordered eating or mm -hmm. disordered thoughts of disordered eating. Sure. Um, you know, it's tough because like a lot of people who have eating disorders, um, whether it's current or in the past, also have GI issues, right? And so like when we talk about personalization, like, okay, here's this medical nutrition therapy, this um, therapeutic diet for IBS, right? And we know it'll probably work for you, at least in the short term, but like you have an eating disorder. So yeah. like, we have to weigh the pros and cons sure. of, of experimenting with diets. So I think, you know, if you are going to go on a diet, do it under like, the trusted guidance of an expert and look at it as an experiment and a way for you to collect data. Like, I had a patient, she's like, Kamar, I want to try this crazy diet. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, my, my first thought is like, you're crazy. You have me. Why would you try a diet? Right. <laughs> right. I was like, all right, let's try it. It's like, you know, some crazy restrictive keto. Okay. Minimal calories, like really intense diet that I would never put anyone on. Was and, she able you know, to stick to it? She did it. She's like, I did it for a week. I lost seven pounds and I gained it all back. And I <laughs> would never do it again because I was dizzy. I she was probably miserable. Yeah. <laughs> she was miserable. She's like a mom. She's a single mom. She's like, I couldn't play with my kid. <laughs> you know, it was terrible. Um, but we tried it. And I think that that is something that is so important to do is to just work with someone who you trust to help to guide you through the nutrition space because there's just so much misinformation out there yeah. and everybody has tried everything and thinks that it's the best but you know what's what's going to be best for you is can be a really systematic process um, sure. that you can figure out um, in a way that is sustainable and doesn't drive you crazy amen to all of that and i truly i want to emphasize what you just said tomorrow about collecting the data and I think like for me, that is such a pillar of my coaching, but it's also difficult because it's like so not sexy to talk about that, right? But it's so necessary. I just um, rap was wrapping up a series of uh, solo podcast episodes talking about holiday eating. And I kind of made the last two focus on like, okay, you overeat at Thanksgiving, what should you do? And kind of guiding people through like, here's your different options. Here's what you might want to do and like think is the best route, but what you shouldn't do. And one of the kind of tangents that I got on and talking about it is remembering and, and encouraging everybody listening to this that if you go the route of like you totally overate, you pigged out, you're sitting on the couch and you like want to unbutton your pants because you feel so full it's it happened and we're not going to sit here and like judge ourselves but that is information that we then can collect and a lot of times when it comes to say tracking your food for example if i have a new client that's working with me and they haven't been tracking their food for too long of a time i really encourage them on certain in certain instances and events i might be like hey this would actually be a really good time for us to just track in some kind of capacity it doesn't need to necessarily be like super formal in my fitness pal weighing everything and getting into the nitty gritty but it is really helpful if you kept some sort of log or journal or diary however you want to do it or call it because then in the week coming after that or the next time we have a phone call or whatever we've got all this great information to look at 
and to even bring it back to a lot of our gut health clients, right? I think that's the biggest thing I do with so many of them is just like in the first week, eat how you normally eat, but I want you to take it a step further and write down how you feel after every single meal because we have to start finding some of these patterns. And again, like really doing the exploration and figuring out like, what's going on for you? I mean, I had a conversation with a client just the other day. We were talking about the list of low FODMAP foods and um, there were things on it where she was like, hey, I ate that and I didn't really feel good, but it's on the list. And I was like, well, I'm gonna stop you right there and remind you that just because it's on the list and you're quote unquote allowed to have it, it doesn't mean that it works for you personally. And that's totally fine. Like there's nothing wrong with you and we shouldn't try to force ourselves to eat it. But we got some really great information off of that, knowing that, oh, this is like a technically allowed or in air quotes, whatever you wanna call it, food, but it doesn't respond well to you personally. And that's enough reason for us to just take a note of that and kind of put it in our back pocket and figure out how that fits into the big picture. And I just think it's very hard to do that for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed it when you said nutrition isn't sexy. My co-founder Vanessa Rosetto and I say that all the time, right? You have to, you have to do the work, right? If if you want to get the results, you should be actually working harder than me. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I can't, I can't, Put myself in your apartment, yep. your house, and and do that work for you. Like nobody can. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much money you have. You have to do the work, right? Um, so you know, I think collecting the data, you it's a non-negotiable, right? Like when we totally. talk about eating disorders and disordered eating, that's a different thing because sometimes that can be triggering. Triggering for, people, but, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, either way, we're collecting some form of data. You know, thoughts, feelings around food. Um, but certainly like if you're working on a medical condition or anything from a physiological perspective, we need data in order to help you, you know, um, we have research, we have the literature, but that doesn't tell us as much about individuals, right? Research is done on populations on purpose, multiple Mm -hmm. people. So we can, um, so we can get results that we can apply to larger groups of people, right? And so, but when we're working with individuals, everybody is different. Everybody has a different microbiome. Everybody has different circumstances. Everybody has, you know, a variety of different things that impact their health. Um, no two people are the same, even if you're twins, right? From a physiological yeah. perspective. So um, you got to collect that data in order for you to really understand what's going on with your body and with food and your symptoms. Now let's use that as a jumping off point to talk about Kalina and what it might look like for me to potentially work with you or any of your other coaches with Vanessa. Um, How does that show up in your coaching practice and the business as a whole? Yeah, so Vanessa and I really were very frustrated about the nutrition space (laughs) because as I said before, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think people are confused. That's like the number one thing that I get. I talk to people all the time doing free discovery calls and they're like, come on, I am so confused. And this is the op- what you're saying is the opposite of everything I've ever read. Like, why didn't someone tell me this before? I get that reaction a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, people are, conf- even though we have access to nutrition information more than we ever have, people are more and more confused about what to eat, how to eat, when to eat. Um, it's just exhausting, right? Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing for us was nutrition just didn't feel accessible to everyone. Um, nutrition felt like this very elitist sort of 
science that, you know, you needed a lot of money and a lot of connections in order for yeah. you to, you know, get that service to like, like learn to have a food. personal chef and all these things. Yeah. I'm my nutritionist, you know? Yeah. Um, and the reality is that that's not true. Actually, dietitians are healthcare professionals, so we can be credentialed with insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, nutrition can be accessible to everyone. And also like you can find a dietitian who can be relatable, right? Like I think with that totally. like, sort of approach, while it's true, there are a lot of dietitians who are not relatable. <laughs> we we have, we are very relatable and our team of dietitians are very relatable. So like really wanting to serve a market that we felt was not being served before. Um, and that's sort of how Kalina came about. Um, What's so, not to interrupt you, but while we're keeping with Kalina, like specifically, I got to know what's the the story behind the name and how does it tie into what you just shared? Because I assume that it does. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kalina is actually Latin for kitchen. Um, and, you know, our belief is that truly like health is 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 formed in, in the kitchen. You know, yeah. you don't have to cook, but um, nutrition is just like foundation to all health. I mean, really everything that we eat is all of those vitamins, minerals, proteins, carbs, fats are utilized by our body to like yep. form our tissues and cells and like function, you know? Um, and so like, we truly believe that your health is, starts in the kitchen, right? Well, there's a huge role for medication and of course, physical activity and stress management. Um, if you're not getting the nutrition piece right, um, or at least doing the basics, then you're not going to be healthy. Uh, in the long term. Yeah, totally. And to go back to, yeah, you can't, you really can't. And to go back to what you were saying about just the accessibility component and the relatability, I mean, let's tie it into exactly how you started off and describing who you are. Like everything you said, you were like, yeah, I'm a dietitian, but I also happen to be a mom and I'm from, I'm from New York and I live in Brooklyn and all these things. Like those are all facets of who you are and very much influence somebody's relationship with food, the type of food they like to eat, like what food means to their life and what nutrition and exercise and wellness as a whole can all mean. And and everybody's definition of that might be slightly different. So I just, I, I really love that. Um, and you know, I'm curious, even in mentioning what you said about like the fact that you are medical professional and even in my case, like with nutrition coaching, um, I have a lot of, a lot of my clients who don't realize this and I always highlight it to them. I have a lot of customers that work with me that use their HSA plan to pay for my coaching. Um, and I think people just don't necessarily know that. And that's obviously a play for us to be talking about it more, which is great. But at the same time, It makes me wonder if like, are we doing enough? And I think we're getting there. But are we doing enough to have a push for everything you just said about your nutrition being so foundational to the rest of your health and everything starting in the kitchen? And this really does show up in the rest of the world of medicine and it being so reactionary versus proactive and dealing with the problem right in front of you when it might be, I don't, I don't want to say too late, but it could have been prevented, right? If we took more of those preventative measures. So as a dietitian in particular, and you describing that you were frustrated, maybe you can unpack that a little bit more for us. What specifically may have frustrated you about actually being in that medical and clinical environment that you, you were kind of like, you know what, I got to do this differently outside of the accessibility component. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there are a lot of different paths as a dietitian to go into. Yeah. Some dietitians 
do consulting work. Um, my program at NYU is a clinical program. So a lot of dietitians actually work in inpatient um, in the hospital or in outpatient um, in conjunction with the medical team. And so like in inpatient, we're really doing a lot of like tube feeds, nutrition support, um, front row nutrition, um, you know, really working kind of in the ICU to like support people who can't eat, uh, things like that. Um, but you know, that is, you're kind of like missing the mark there from like a prevention perspective, right? right? Like how can we not get, how can we get these people not in that situation, like in that dire situation in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I think it's really limited in being able to help people be on like critical care, right? Like, cause we see people, maybe they're admitted into the hospital for a heart attack, for example, right? Mm -hmm. We spend, you know, 10 minutes with them, giving them diet, diet education on a heart healthy diet, but like, that's not going to do much. Let's be real. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really even remember, I mean, I was in the hospital when I gave birth uh, this um, past winter and like, I don't remember. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It was a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So, you know, I think, I think as dietitians, um, there isn't a lot that you can do, you, you kind of are, are positioned to be an entrepreneur, right? But not everyone is wants to be an entrepreneur, right? Right. So it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's not for everyone. I honestly didn't think it was for me. I was sort of like, <laughs> and, and I did. And, and, you know, sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. But <laughs> I think at the end of the day, I, I yeah. love it. I can commit to the love for it. I'll never go back. But, um, you know, I think we're kind of... I, I was frustrated, Vanessa and I were frustrated because we were like, there is a huge missing link here um, when it comes to not just our clients, but also dietitians, right? That's why we formed a group practice. Actually, she and I had our own private practices and we were like, dude, you're so lonely. Yeah. We both have these like very successful private practices on our own, but you know, we weren't really getting that like interaction beyond mm -hmm. just like patient care. And, and I think, you know, there were so many levels of frustration, frustration with, um, you know, patients not receiving, you know, relatable personalized nutrition, frustration with the perception of dietitians in the media as these like food police, right? Yeah. Frustration with the lack of diversity in the field. Both mm -hmm. my partner and I are women of color and, um, you know, Obviously, people of all different shapes, sizes, and colors need to see a nutritionist or would benefit from working with a dietitian. Um, and it'd be nice to be able to work with someone who looks like you, right? Yeah, so that relatability factor is so different in that regard, for sure. It's like you can't yeah. understand me. I mean, even when I put my in, – in really like establishing the fact that I work with a lot of moms, I'm not a mom at this point, and initially – I fell into it because I was in group fitness and we offered nutrition services as a part of the gym that I was at. And it was geared towards moms. Like the avatar client was a 30 something year old mom, maybe two small children. And like, she didn't have a lot of time to work out. And usually her food challenges came in the form of being too concerned about feeding everyone else first and then picking off her kids' plates. Mm -hmm. And initially that was really hard for me to kind of like penetrate into that group to get those people to trust me. They trusted me for their workouts because they liked the energy that I brought them and they had 45 minutes to think about nothing else. But I do remember early in that part of my career, there were just like a couple conversations that I couldn't navigate because I had someone point blank say to me, 
you do not understand, like you're 23 and you do not understand what I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And it took like me kind of being like deer in headlights a couple times to figure out how, well, how can I navigate that? And a lot of it turned into, well, I have 500 other people that I coach on a daily basis in this, in this gym and we figured something else out for them. So I think I can help you from their experience, but more importantly, we can all help each other in creating this community and the nutrition component being another arm of all of it. And I completely agree with you. And I I think, you know, like, I think with the whole, like what you said about like being like the food police, like that's such a component. That's a stigma that needs to be broken down too. And I also feel like there was such a great point that you made and, and you saying you and Vanessa, you had your own private practices and you were like, they're successful in their own right, but we're kind of lonely. I would take it even a step further because I feel like I felt that a lot in the past two years with taking my business online. And I've had to make more of an effort to seek out conversations like this, for example, because I learned so much from other coaches, other nutritionists, dietitians, uh, fitness trainers, whatever it is, because like we're swapping stories of client experiences and what worked for that person. Or maybe you just have a particular niche that you're very passionate about. So you tend to read a lot more research on gut health, for example, like so much of what I've learned about gut health. Yes, I have a certification in it, but most of my experience has been from working with another coach who herself has had gut health issues like you. And then she went through it with tons of people along with her own process of healing SIBO. And anytime I have questions, I'm so much more inclined to go talk to her about it and be like, hey, I like see these things. Can we talk through this? And she just might help me think about it in a different way. So I love that that's part of your mission and being able to kind of cultivate that between you, your business partner and the rest of your team. I think that's amazing. Yeah, the community piece is just so key. You know, I think when you're doing it on your own um, from a business perspective, it's just it's super tough to Mm -hmm. cultivate community and and, you know, we want to feel like our clients are also a part of our Kalina community, yes. right? Like our dietitians, we, you know, have, have 15 and counting dietitians who are all That's awesome. so incredible. Yeah. And, you know, we have this community of people that we're serving and healing and like really changing people's lives. And like that energy is just like so palpable, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what gets me going. It's just it's just so important. And I think like in the nutrition space, certainly like online, like there's a lot of competitiveness, right? And I think being able to say, you know what, like we're all passionate about like this same space. And maybe I don't agree with like your approach or your ideals, but like we can come together and like uplift our community as a Mm -hmm. whole, right? Like let's, let's figure out a way to make nutrition, um, a trustworthy evidence-based and positive positive experience for everyone right um and you know that's one of the work that we're trying to do on like a higher level within the nutrition space but certainly in working with our clients just um supporting communities of people and letting everyone know like we're here we're accessible we take your insurance we have dietitians who don't just tell you to go on a diet we work with your um with your lifestyle, your food preferences, your cultural foods, right? We talk about changing your behavior, right? What happens after you learn what you need to do? Is that the hard part? The <laughs> exit know? strategy, man. Yeah. yeah, we could do a whole, we could do three podcasts on that alone. Totally, <laughs> Probably totally. a whole series, yeah. yeah. 
A hundred percent. I so agree with you there. And I'd love to know, you know, just bringing in like the virtual piece of everything and having a growing team. How have you found as your team has grown and evolved, what types of, um, you know, like specific practices or maybe it's even like the software and things that you're using to be able to cultivate the environment beyond just the one-on-one conversation I may have with you as your direct client versus like a group where I can go and find a bunch of resources on recipes or something like that. Yeah, we really like to think that we're like a one-stop shop. Like you don't have to go on Pinterest and like yeah, <laughs> kill exactly. yourself to find a recipe. I mean, I literally end up on Pinterest and like, okay, I'm just trying to find like a chia pudding recipe and like three hours later, I'm like, oh damn, <laughs> <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> like what is happening here? So we really try to be this sort of like one-stop shop and, and you know, all of our, our current tech, um, there's a lot to talk about in the Selena world around tech because we have new tech partners and cool. we're fundraising and we're building our own tech. So there's That's like awesome. a lot of cool stuff in the works on this, in this space. Um, but, you know, our current tech really allows us to have one portal that helps us to communicate with our clients between sessions. Um, during, we do all of our telehealth. Um, we send goals um, and session notes through this tech. Um, we really kind of do scheduling, like we just want to make it easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, email reminders, all, all of the things yeah. <laughs> you need, you just have to log on to one website. So. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I'm really glad you brought that up actually. And super excited to hear for you guys that you're developing your own concept with the tech piece, because, um, I actually think that's like one of the biggest, most underserved areas of fitness technology that exists today. I think that every platform out there, and it's no knock to them, I think it's just the matter of like people think of online fitness, they think of workouts. So all the companies that have come out of that are really geared towards sharing programming and like workout programming versus you think, you know, like I think of things like trainer eyes as an example. And as a dietitian, it would be something you would never use. And and as a nutrition coach, I never use it. And I know other coaches who do. And I like I even work with my coach on it and we only use like 2% of the platform because we really use the messaging tool. And then when it comes to everything else, it's very much designed for programming versus like I personally just utilize a CRM system that can be for any business. And then I've really manipulated it to try to get more of like the data collection out of it in the best way that I can. But one of the most challenging parts in really growing your own nutrition coaching business in particular is like, Sometimes I feel that I make things a little bit harder on my clients because for them to collect data, I'm relying on spreadsheets or things like that. And I know it's not the best experience. And at the end of the day, you said it best. The client has to work harder than you if they really want to see the results. And so sometimes I remind myself of the fact that, yes, can I like there's certain limitations. I'm not going to be able to make this experience any better than I have right now until some other platforms become available or making that investment to do it on my own. But at the same time, you always have to ask yourself and just assessing your growth of what you're trying to offer people. Is there a better way to do it? Is that limiting their desire to want to stick with it for a longer amount of time to really get to the point where they can see those results and then have the exit strategy? And I think it's exciting because I do feel like in the last two years, where I'm not the first person to pick up on that because I think there's just more and more coaches and registered dietitians and nutritionists that feel like, hey, I don't really have the best platform to be able to communicate some of this stuff. Like I know personally, I rely on like 
three different platforms to be able to both bring my clients together and me to serve them on a one-on-one capacity too. And they don't oh, know that from the back end, but it's going to make our own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. No, I think from a consumer perspective, like I feel like the nutrition apps that are out there are just like strictly like focused on tracking or right. if you're getting a coach, it's like AI bots, you yeah. know, like, right. like you're not actually talking to a human. You're talking to like some AI bot and like that I think can work in the part term, maybe, maybe like first week or first month but at the end of the day right you can't take the human out of the type of work that we do you just can't you know um and I think that lies the challenge with like scaling as a business owner like trying to figure out how to keep the personalization keep the human right um while also being able to serve more people and and that's you know, what we're doing right now. And it's really yeah. exciting. We're just like, I love that. Super excited to be able to give people really good quality nutrition support, um, nutrition lifestyle support um, through their insurance, you know? And outside of us, you know, kind of lamenting the fact that everybody's coming to you and being like, I'm confused. And I've tried so many different things. And I just want to find the thing that works. What are some of the other top, and let's turn this into a positive too, top challenges that your clients kind of across the board face? Like maybe that's your typical client avatar kind of speaks to this, these certain three or four things or whatever it is. But then to take it that step further in the positive end, what are some of your top suggestions in helping them deal with that? Like if I were to work with you, what would be some of those things that I would focus on? Yeah, I mean, we have clients coming to see us for a variety of different things. Our dietitians all have different specialties. I think, you know, um, because of the prevalence, a lot of our clients come to see us for sustainable weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our clients are coming to see us for improved energy and just like better overall health. Um, We work a lot with people who have, you know, disordered eating, strained relationship with food, um, everything under the sun, certainly like hormone yeah. imbalances, GI stuff. Um, I feel like nutrition is just like so core to so many aspects of our health, as I was saying before. And we really try to have like a dietitian who can support every type of specialties. Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, and Vanessa and I say this all the time, right? She and I have the opposite approaches <laughs> for counseling people. She's like super tough love, prescriptive, like do what everything that I say and I am trained in coaching. So I have more of like a behavioral modification approach. Yeah. Or really like yep. soft I'm laughing because I'm so like that too. <laughs> yeah, totally. And we both get the same results. Like both of our clients are. Really yeah, that's crazy. so interesting. And do you find that like, so between the two of you, have you found that as you've grown and obviously like you might not work with as many clients personally as you did in the beginning as you've grown your team, but um did you have, did it kind of go the route where like naturally, depending on that person's personality, like the potential client's personality, it was easy to kind of figure out like who should work with Vanessa and who should work with Tamar? Like how did that evolve for the two of you? Yeah, totally. We actually do free discovery calls for anyone who's interested in learning cool. more about us or even just working with our, our dietitians. And so we do like pretty extensive matching through that, you cool. know, um, we're able to really like get a feel for people and our dietitians will take the call and be like, you know what, I'm not the right person for you, but like this team member mm-hmm. is going to be perfect, you know? So I think it's about knowing, uh, knowing who your person is from a client perspective and a practitioner's perspective. And like you were saying, your avatar, right. And just like, and, and working and trying to attract that person. So it's mutually beneficial, you know, um, 
I think everybody wins there, right? Like practitioners are specializing and really mm-hmm. doing the type of work that they love to do. Um, and clients are receiving that specialized care and like, you know, it can be more effective and efficient. Um, so Sorry, I feel like you got way off topic. Did no. I answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> you totally did. I think that that's, no, you, you 100% did. And I think it's always like just from more of like the business perspective of somebody listening to this who is trying to grow any kind of coaching business, I ask those questions because I think there's a lot of value there and also showing Number one, there's not a right or better way to do it, even and you've mentioned that even in talking about like diets and not having this approach that one way is the only answer better than others, but also in the sense of being okay with saying no and recognizing that not taking on that potential client isn't going to hurt you because it opens you up for the opportunity to work with the right people and furthermore, probably help those people even more so than just like taking someone on for the sake of taking them on. And I think that's important. And I like asking that question to people who have been in this for a little bit and are, it's clearly working for you, right? Like you figured something out and, and, are, and are moving with it and shifting with it or even making changes and adapting if it doesn't work too and being flexible. Totally. I think the flexibility is just the most important takeaway for everyone mm-hmm. when it comes to nutrition. Yeah. When it comes to your health, right? I think the flexibility is something that I learned as a new mom. You know, like I used to be a lot more uptight and, and like having a small child forces you to be flexible. <laughs> I was going to say, you seem very like calm and mellow. As soon as you told me that you grew up in like a hippie town, I was like, that really fits your vibe. So it's yeah. working for you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, one other thing I wanted to ask you before you wrap everything up, um, you know, just touching back on like more of the coaching brain and the behavioral and mindset. What for you personally, what are some of your favorite tips to share with your clients in terms of of guiding them in the right direction and focusing more on the habits and behaviors? I think that's how I take the approach with a lot of the people that I work with. And I just love being able to pick somebody else's brain because you have different experiences and you have a different perspective of what you've seen has worked for people. Are there any that kind of like stick out in your mind as being the fundamentals that you share with everyone you personally work with? Yeah, for sure. I think one of my favorite coaching strategies is like really working because I work a lot with people who have emotional eating and really working okay. to identify like their core needs. You know, mm-hmm. we all have this set of like universal human needs. Like we have a need for independence, for health, right? Like sleep, rest. Mm-hmm. Um, identifying like what is really going on, associating our feelings with our needs, and then trying to solve our needs um, using different things that are not food right like understanding okay so I'm feeling I'm feeling really exhausted um and I'm feeling exhausted and as a result of that I am eating because I'm tired and I'm thinking food is going to give me energy um but what do you really need you need to sleep right (laughs) so like let's try that the food might help but it sounds like you're sleep deprived so maybe we should focus on the sleep right so like I think getting to the core and the foundation of what's driving the behavior is so, so important. Um, and kind of like really working with people to do that, to understand, okay, what's at the core of why you're doing this harmful behavior? Mm-hmm. Emotional eating doesn't have to be harmful. It can be a useful tool in the short term. Um, the problem is when, when we rely exclusively on food to meet all of our needs, right? Like that's the problem because yeah. it's just not effective. 
<laughs> right? right. Um, maybe it'll help with managed stress for like five seconds, but mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, that's not going to be hugely impactful to our ability to manage stress in the long term. So, um, you know, that's like such a key one for me is really identifying the core needs of people and um, what is sort of driving the harmful behavior. Yeah, um, and then certainly like celebrating the small wins. Like I think that's so big in the in the space, especially like fitness, weight loss. Um, being able to maybe we have maybe we haven't seen any scale wins, but we've seen you know you moving your body more than you ever have, you cooking for yourself more than you ever have, you you know trying a variety of different foods. Like all of that stuff has such a positive impact on your health. Um, and just because, you know, you haven't lost weight on the scale doesn't mean that you aren't successful. So I think identifying, you know, true, true wins that I wouldn't even call them small wins, but non-scale wins yeah. is, is a big one. Yeah. I love both of those. And I, I always make it a point to just try to like lead with those too, a lot of times, because I think sometimes when I get on calls and Zooms with the people that I'm working with and they haven't had like the best week or whatever it is, they're really quick to want to lead with like, I did this wrong and then I did this wrong. And I'm like, wait a second, like let's start with some things that went well for you and make it a practice to identify those first because that mindset and just like framing up your definition of success is fundamental to you ultimately achieving whatever goals it is that you're setting for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's hard work. <laughs> it is. Right? Like we were talking about before. Yeah. It's hard work. You have to do all of these things um, in order to get those results that you want, especially if you have a complex medical condition or a complex relationship mm-hmm. with food, right? But it's worth it because you never have to go on some stupid diet again that like gets you short-term results and you're doing it for the rest of your life. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think that's like actually a perfect place to really sum it all up in the sense that we tend to probably lose sight of the, that fact in constantly jumping from one thing to next. And like I said before, looking for that magic thing that that your cousin did or whoever, and it worked for them for some amount of time. And chances are it probably wasn't as long as you think. It just seems like it in your mind because they're sitting there and raving about how great that whatever it was that they tried. And maybe it was perfect for them. But when we look at those circumstances as it relates to your life and like the exact season that you're in and whatever path that you're on, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be right for you. And that's another place where I feel like any type of coach or practitioner in general is able to help you kind of like zoom out because I feel like we're because we're so quick to want to look for the thing that's going to work as as fast as possible. We forget that we're doing this for the rest of our life. And like, do you are you okay with that? You know? I always tell people like, how long have you been emotionally eating or how long have you been dieting? Mm-hmm. Um, when they're feeling frustrated, like, I'm not seeing results. I'm like, well, you've been doing these habits for like five, 10 years now. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to take more than like yes. a couple of weeks to see some changes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. And I so appreciate you joining me today. And I really enjoyed everything that we've talked about. But before I do let you go, I love to do a quick little lightning round, just like some fun questions at the end, maybe more personal to you or like about your favorite foods, stuff like that. You ready? Love it. Let's do it. Cool. Okay. So you're a New York girl. I asked him, I had, you're my second New Yorker that I interviewed today, actually. And I live in New Jersey. So we're all in the tri-state. Um, okay, we'll have to- 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what is, I asked this question to the last person and I stumped her, but we're going to see what you have. It's like a, a hard one in the sense that it might be difficult to choose. But if you could only eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life in New York, could you pick one? If so, what oh. would it be? It's a hard question. So hard. I don't even yeah. know if I, you might have stumped me too. It's like, maybe it, this is how we narrowed it down and even then she couldn't give me an answer but we went with like okay pick like your specific cuisine that's like your favorite and you can only pick one of the restaurants in that category like I don't know if you have a certain thing that you really love I mean I love Mediterranean food I love like seafood and fish and there's just like so many options though you know yeah, that's there the best are. part about New York you don't have yeah. to choose right exactly well that can be your answer right there yeah I, I I choose not to choose okay there we go and you know what that's a testament to everything that we said with nutrition so it all makes sense because you're not going to lock yourself into one choice right because you don't have yeah. to yeah exactly so there you go what is let's see Outside of us talking about nutrition and, and food and cooking and that sort of thing, like what are some of your other uh, favorite hobbies and stuff that you like to do that maybe have nothing to do with food necessarily? Uh, I am a sucker for interior design and real estate. I just cool. love it. I'm constantly planning, you know, my dream brownstone and how I'm going <laughs> to design it. <And laughs> like, I spend way too much time on Pinterest looking at info. So, I yeah. love that. I wasn't a dietitian. I would be an interior designer. All right. Well, now we're like, I'm like, we're on Zoom. Do we need to get a tour of Tomorrow's house while we're at it over there, or your apartment, or wherever you're sitting? I just, it's fabulous, <laughs> but I just moved, so we're and COVID is like everything is back, backdated. Yeah. Oh, I know. Ago. I was actually just talking to a friend before we hit the record button because um, I was trying to order a Whoop. And he like has a hookup for me to get a free one. And it's like 11 weeks on back order. Everything is affected. And he was like, yeah, I just moved. And um, my new like dining room table won't be here until April of 2022. Yeah. Literally, I ordered my dining table August and they were like, spring. Yeah. Yep. I don't know when it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Like so crazy. <laughs> Um, let's see what else. What is your favorite type of workout? Like, what do you like to do to sweat? Uh, I am a soul cycle junkie and nice. I love hot yoga. I just like the, the adrenaline rush and I love to sweat. So, um, I feel like the two like really balance me out. Like, yeah, always, like get like the party club vibes from spinning and Fun then, music. Like, yeah. And then just like chill out with my yoga and like sweat it out so I, I I know I need to diversify especially if I want to get the results that I I want like I should probably do some strength training but um one thing at know, a time you probably just yeah. got back into working out I'll be the kind uh personal trainer to you over here and remind yeah. you that it's one day at a time just like nutrition right <laughs> totally you know yeah. and I think I'm I'm really exercising for mental health right now yeah you know, for sure I feel like I want to run exercise for body composition I'll make it different story for sure different goal and different approach and I think that just speaks to everything we've talked about um as a new mom what is what would you say is like I don't know maybe the biggest misconception that you had that like the reality is totally different like are there any expectations about some aspect of it that you had and you're like uh, uh just kidding it's totally different you know I don't think I thought it was going to be easy but I've had, I've had a pretty tough life. Like my family life circumstances have been really hard and still motherhood has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, so I think like everyone knows that having kids is hard, but 
you don't know until you know what that means. Sure. It, it, it truly tests you mentally. And I think as a woman more so physically, I mean, the sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. recovery from birth, whatever your um, you know birth path is and breastfeeding or just feeding your baby, right? Like it's just, it's the biggest test <laughs> I've ever had in my entire yeah. your relationship with your partner, right? Yeah. Like it's just hard. I, I mean, I think, more than anything that's my biggest misconception like wait till you're ready because it's damn it hard (laughs) I appreciate your honesty and your candor with that though too yeah Yeah. um and you know on in the same token like what has been the most rewarding aspect of it so far like what's been a, a really exciting surprise of it I guess I should say you know with like all hard things once you do them and you start to get kind of good at them, yep. then it's just the most rewarding thing ever. You're sure. like, whoa, I did this, right? Like, this is human. Like, I made her. Like, she's composed of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. To, like, take a second and actually think about that, you're like, wow. It's my greatest accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. And what would you, you know, I wanted to ask you one more thing related to our mom combo and talking about sleep deprivation. As a dietitian, and really knowing the value of sleep, like that's been studied and studied and studied. How has that been for you with like navigating the fact that you're like, well, I don't really have a choice right now because I have a crying baby. Um, Has that been difficult just from like you trying to like turn off your science brain a little bit? Or has that, would you say, really helped you to try to be able to figure out like, how am I going to make things work? And maybe even have to just put boundaries on certain work responsibilities or whatever it was that before you would have kind of tried to like let slide. Totally. I mean, it's so funny. I saw one of my doctors was like, how's your sleep? I'm like, it's terrible. Yeah. Talk to the health coach about this. I'm like, what is she going to do for me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just your circumstances, your season. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. she can't do anything for me. Um, and you know, like you just kind of like I was talking about with the flexibility, like you have to accept yeah. that you're going to be sleep deprived. And I fought it for a really long time, and I was so frustrated by it. But you know, I kind of just like accepted, like this is part of the process. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll go to bed at eight o'clock just to like catch up on the hours. Yeah. Um, like you said, with boundaries, you know, I'll go to bed at eight, wake up at five get some work done and then not work, you know, for a part of the morning. So I can exercise, you know, I have the flexibility of doing that as as Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, but I think a lot of people have that flexibility now that they're working from home. So like find ways, be more flexible, find pockets of time where you can prioritize your sleep. You know, Um, they say in the beginning, like sleep when your baby sleeps, which is like easier said than done, but like really like do your best. I mean, for me, like I tell my business partner, like, look, girl, I'm, I'm going to be in bed by 8.30. So if you need me, I'll get to you at 5 in the morning. when I wake yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being able to have that conversation. Right. Exactly. Yeah, transparent. Let people know. Um, you know, and of course, like, as the, the people in your life who care for you will support you and understand. Absolutely. And the most important question, the, the last but not least one, where can we find you personally tomorrow on social media? How can we connect with you? How can we connect with Kalina, learn more about the brand and what it might be like if we wanted to coach with one you personally or any one of your dietitians? Give us your shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you can find me on Instagram at smartfamils.rd. Um, you can find Kalina at Kalina. That's our, at Kalina Health is our handle. Um, but you can everything you need on our website, kalinahealth.com. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, we do free discovery calls for people. So if you're not sure if Kulina is right for you or if nutrition counseling is right for you, or you want to learn more about the process, get to know our practitioners, you can hop on a call with us for free. And we're happy to give you all the information you need. We're in network with most major insurance companies and we're exclusively telehealth. So you can awesome. meet with us virtually. We're able to serve people across the country. So um, even if you're not based out of New York or the Tri-State area, we work with clients in, uh, you know, all the states. So um, hit us up at KalinaHealth.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We will, of course, link all of that down in the show notes to make it super accessible for everybody listening to just jump right over to them and click you guys, follow, check out the website, everything. I really, really appreciate this conversation and I want to acknowledge you for all of the amazing insight that you shared and most importantly, what you guys are doing to really try to change the game and the perception around dietetics and nutrition coaching and counseling. And it's it's an appreciation for what I do in this space and us just being able to partner up and have these conversations and it definitely won't be the last so thanks for coming we'll have to get vanessa on next time for sure so let her know we've got the open invite out to her and for everybody who listened today please go ahead follow kulina health get plugged in with them follow tomorrow and if you enjoyed the show if you got something out of it the best thing you can do I share it with somebody you know, whether you're putting it on your social media, we appreciate it there. But I also think there's power in just texting it to somebody too, right? Like opening up the door for that conversation and saying, hey, listen to this. Think you might find it interesting. There's that personalization factor. And we surely, surely appreciate that. For everybody who tuned in today, this has been another incredible episode of The Fix. We appreciate you guys and hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, Krista. Thank you. Thank you.